Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time. Well, good morning and welcome to Mother's Day at the Vineyard Online. I'm so excited that you're here and moms just want to say thank you for bringing us all into the world and all that you have contributed to our lives and to our world. We wouldn't be here without you. Happy Mother's Day. But you know, Mother's Day is a really difficult sermon for pastors to preach. Um, It's kind of perilous, a little bit dangerous. And and the reason that is, is because all of us have had different experiences with motherhood and with our mothers. You know, some moms have had great experiences and others have had not so good experiences, difficult children or unable to have children. And there's so much pain that can be associated with that. And on the kids' side, some of us have had great moms and others of us have had really lousy moms. There are lousy moms out there and we just need to acknowledge that up front. And for most of us, it's somewhere in between, but for so many people, there is a lot of pain associated with this holiday, which makes my job as a pastor somewhat difficult because I'm supposed to get up and talk about the ideal of the selfless mom and celebrate all of that. And it brings a lot of pain to a lot of people and it makes it very difficult to write a message that applies to everyone. You know, I think the only thing that might be more dangerous than, than a sermon on Mother's Day for a pastor might be a, a sermon that would try to define what feminine beauty is and isn't. And so that's what I'm going to try to do today. Uh, I am going to deliver even a, a more dangerous message. I'm going to walk right out to the edge of danger and hang my toes over the edge. Now I want to invite you and I want to encourage you to hang with me, ladies. I think by the time we get to the end of this message, you may find that uh, what I'm about to share can bring some real freedom to your heart. You know, many years ago, there was a book written called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, and it outlines the differences between men and women. And believe it or not, regardless of what culture today says, there are very real differences between men and women. Uh, There's another book written by a Christian author, John Eldridge, called Wild at Heart. And John really dives into the the masculine soul and and identifies some things that are wired deeply into men. He talks about the the idea that we are wild at heart, that there is a, we weren't meant to be domesticated uh, as so many men are these days, but inside of us is the need for adventure and the need for uh, a battle to fight and a beauty to rescue and all these various things. And in that book, He also identifies some things in the feminine heart. And one of those things was just wired deeply into the heart of women is this desire, almost this need to feel beautiful. Now, not not to be a beauty queen or a magazine model or anything like that, but to have this sense of beauty inside. And, And what matters is that you feel beautiful, right? Um, and if you don't, if you don't, your identity starts to become uh, dinged a little bit, you begin to feel worthless, lost maybe. And the problem 
The problem with that is that the definition of beauty in our culture is so elusive and so complex. There's so much more to it than just physical beauty. Now, let me stop right here. Maybe you, at this point, you're pushing back, ladies, or some of you, and you're saying, I don't need to be beautiful, and I, I hear you. Now, I want you to think of this as just where you, where you derive your identity from. And if you'll come along with that in mind, I think you will be able to, to glean from this message as well. You know, there are six things that our society asks women to have in order, in order to be beautiful, in order to feel beautiful. And like I said, it's so much more complex than just simply physical beauty. Because women see everything, most women see everything in the context of everything else. It's not just one thing that needs to be in order, it's everything that needs to be in order. Men, on the other hand, you know, I can be having the worst day in the world. Uh, everything can be falling apart everywhere. And if I go mow my lawn and then can turn around and look at my lawn and it looks good, all is well. Um, you know, one thing at once. If they've done studies on, on the male brain versus the female brain under these different... Uh, these different scans that they do. And what they found is that you know, like the male brain resting has almost zero electrical activity in it. The female brain resting is all lit up all over the place. You know, we, we guys, we focus on one thing at a time. We're not very good at multitasking and, and women generally are much better at multitasking and, and juggling many different factors. You experience the world in the context of everything else. And the fact that there are, are more than one uh, criteria for beauty and for your identity, um, that's easy for you to manage in one respect in your brain because you're good at multitasking, but very hard to attain. And what I want to do in this message is I want to unpack what those things are, what, what our culture tells us that you need to have in place and, and which so many women have unconsciously adopted, that, that we have to have these things in place in order to be and feel beautiful. And then I hope to dive into the scripture a little bit and give you some things that might just set you free from some unrealistic expectations. So let's go along for the ride. The, the first thing that our, our culture asks you to have in place and that I, of so many women have just unconsciously adopted is the physical appearance. Your physical appearance has to be beautiful. And again, not necessarily a magazine model, but you need to feel beautiful. This is why you put on makeup in the morning, right? Guys, I hate to break it to you, nine times out of 10, she's not putting on makeup for you. She's putting it on for her so she can feel beautiful. And women in our culture have grown up with, with magazines and the swimsuit issue at the checkout at, at Kroger uh, and this standard of beauty, physical beauty that is unattainable. I mean, it's airbrushed. It's not even real. But that bar has been set in their hearts and minds. And, uh, and that's, that's a problem. That's hard to attain. If you focus just on your physical beauty, you might be able to, uh, to attain some of that. But that's difficult. But that's not all there is. There's more. The second thing that, that, that feeds into this is your home. You know, your home has to be beautiful. Your home is an extension of your identity. And there's some parts of that that are good, but there are some parts of that that are completely unrealistic. Now, guys, we live, 
We would live in a cave if we had it our way. We have man caves, right? We've got dead stuffed animals and on the wall and garbage in the corner and and we would be fine with that. When I was in college, I, I drove a little Honda Civic and and I could fit everything I needed to decorate and my dorm room and live in a dorm room or a small apartment for an entire year and I could have it all packed in 20 minutes. You know, I had some milk crates, I had a board that I put on some sawhorses that made up my desk with an old tattered folding chair. I had an air mattress that I slept on and I could get it all in my Honda Civic and be off to wherever in the country I was going to go to school and be unpacked and ready to go for an entire year in 30 minutes. It was, it was a pretty sweet deal. In fact, I still have those milk crates today uh, by my desk in my office, but they're not in the rest of the house. Thank goodness I married Christy. And, and, and wired into Christy is this desire to make our house a home. She has, you know, she's decorated. We've got, you know, we've got area rugs. I, I would have never thought of an area rug. We've got pictures. We've got furniture that you'd actually want to sit on and, and look at. Um, nothing extravagant, but she has made our house a home. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, I think it's one of the beautiful things that women uh, often bring to, to, to a home. The problem is, is the pressure to have a home that is beautiful, that is perfect. And that bar keeps going up and up and up. And in fact, HGTV, as entertaining as it can be, is really the equivalent of the swimsuit issue for the home, right? It, it sets this standard, like, like Joanna Gaines' uh, standard of, of decorating your house. And the reality is, is you, you, you can't be Joanna Gaines. Joanna Gaines can't be Joanna Gaines. She's got a team of people who are helping her with everything. And yet we watch the television and we think that's what it needs to be. And when it's not, you feel less than. Guys, let me just a a quick side for for husbands. Look, this means a lot to her. You You can help her in this area by helping with the dishes and helping clean up and doing doing projects around the house. But ladies, at the end of the day, to have to have a perfect house and physical beauty, and the other four things that we're going to talk about, it becomes overwhelming, doesn't it? You know, the third factor is this, kids. Your kids have to be close to perfect because they are a reflection of you. You know, if your kids flunk a test, somehow you're a failure. If your kids aren't perfect, if your kids misbehave, somehow you're not good enough. You're not beautiful. And the reality is, and I can tell you this from personal experience because I was a kid and I have some kids. Kids are not perfect. Kids will let you down from time to time. So it's not enough to just be physically beautiful. It's not enough to have a beautiful, perfect house, but your kids have to be perfect as well. And then on top of that, number four, your relationships have to be in good order, right? I mean, your friendships have to be in good, good order. If your friend relationships aren't good, then that's a reflection on you. Maybe you've said something wrong. Maybe you've done something wrong. Maybe you're not that beautiful person that you, you long to be. And so it doesn't matter if everything else is good. If your relationships are out of order, you don't feel right. Your identity is called into question. And your romantic relationships certainly have to be good, right? The truth is we don't live in, in a romantic comedy. We don't. It's not always good in the area of romance, is it? 
I, I read once a woman wrote these words. She said, I wish I was my husband's golf club because at least, at least then he would hold me every once in a while. Ouch. That really, ow. You know, and I've watched women tie themselves in knots trying to become what their husband, what they think their husband wants them to be. I've watched women who have no interest in the outdoors learn to hunt and fish and do all those things just so their husband would want to spend time with them. And, 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 we, and we strive and work to, to become what we think we need to be so that what you think you need to be so that, that your man will find you uh, attractive relationally. Um, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be a Nicholas Sparks novel all the time. It's just not. And so, again, and with the idea of everything in the context of everything else, not only do you have to f- have physical beauty, a house that is beautiful and in order, and kids that are near perfect, but your relationships need to be in order, in order to feel beautiful as well. And then number five is simply this. In this day and age, your career has to be on track as well. Now, if you're a, a stay-at-home mom or a homeschool mom, that's your, you know, and that's your career, fine. Or if you work outside the home, but it better be looking good. And if it's not going well, it's not good. You know, a bad day at work for, uh, for most women is a bad day. This part's out, it's all out of kilter. Men tend to be much better at compartmentalizing. You know, when I come home from work and I've had a bad day, and yes, as a pastor, there are days I have bad days. But I am more likely to just say, when Christy asks me, how was your day? I'd just say, it was fine, because I've moved on. I'm now focused on something, something else. But that's not so easy for the feminine mind. So... We have one last factor, and I'm sure there are more, but these are the six that I've identified for this message, and that's this. If you're a woman of faith, religion is a big deal, right? You have to have your crap together spiritually. Now, maybe you've read Proverbs 31, the the passage about the virtuous woman, and you're like, I can't measure up to that. Or, Or there's all this pressure from from uh, your Christian friends, uh, you know, you know are, you, are you reading your Bible enough? Are you spending enough time doing the things that a Christian woman should be doing? And, and, and you have to have your crap together. You have to measure up that way. And if you don't, it doesn't matter that the rest of the things are in order and the rest of the things are not in order because nobody can live up to all of that. You know, sometimes, sometimes uh, people, religious people especially, can be mean. I've got these chickens. Uh, and they're getting to this place where they're establishing the pecking order. And they're mean. I mean, they're being mean to one another. And it re- reminds me of what some religious people can be like. Very judgmental and very nitpicky. And it becomes very hard to feel like you have your stuff together in the realm of, of, of faith. You know, religious people drove Jesus nuts, by the way. He was not a big fan of them. Uh, for that very reason, um, and maybe you're watching now and, and, and you're just coming back to church after being gone for a long while. And maybe part of the reason you left in the first place was because you felt judged. Uh, and I want to assure you that this is not the kind of church where you will be judged. This, the vineyard, one of the things I love about our church and that I need as well is, is this idea that it's okay to not be okay. Uh, God doesn't want us to stay that way, but he loves us and accepts us where we are and walks with us. And so 
do we as a church community? Well, when you look at all six of these things, uh, it's impossible to meet every one of these expectations. And it's no wonder that anxiety is off the charts in women these days. Uh, and it is because you can't live up to all of this. Nobody can. There's a word for people who are trying to live up to all of these standards, to feel beautiful. And it's called exhausted, tired, worn out because it's an impossible expectation. And for so many people, you've accepted these expectations without even questioning them, without even thinking about them. And the reality is, is that you are beautiful, beautiful in spite of them. So what I want to do is I want to point to us, I want to set you free from that. And I want to point us to what God has to say about beauty and about you. And walk you through a process to freedom. And the first step in that process is really very simple. It's listen to God. Listen to God. What does God have to say? And I'm gonna, we're going to read from the book of Psalms in Psalm 45 and verse 10. And it says this. It says, listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. Listen, it says, listen, daughter. This is specifically to women. Pay careful attention. Forget about your people and your father's house. Listen to God. You're listening to the wrong voices. You're listening to your own inner critic. You're listening to the societal standards of social media, which isn't even real anyway. It's people's highlights, highlight reels of, of magazines, which aren't real either. They're airbrushed women. of Celebrity culture, of Christian women's culture that put unrealistic expectations on you and all those all those things stop listening to those and listen to your heavenly father who loves you and thinks you're beautiful forget what the others are saying forget what your people and your father's house are saying forget the critics and the haters forget the critical parents the critical siblings the critical friends the critical co-workers they're standards you can't live up to listen listen to your heavenly Father. And then the second step is really very simple. Believe what he says about you. Believe what he says about you. In verse 11, he says this, let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Wow. Enthralled by your beauty. God thinks you are beautiful. And the word enthralled there, spellbound, stunned, captivated by your beauty. Your heavenly father doesn't think you're just okay. He thinks you are captivating, stunning, gorgeous. That's what he thinks of you. You know, so often people will lament, what, 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 if I, what if I were just loved for being me? Not what I can do, not what I can accomplish, not how beautiful I can be or anything else, but what if I could just be loved for being me? And the answer to that question is, you are, you are. In Psalm 139, I'm going to flip over there real quick. Uh, in Psalm 139, in verse 13, David, King David, wrote these words, and these words apply to every one of us as much as they applied to King David. And this is what they say. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. 
God knit you together in your mother's womb. He put together every piece of DNA in the sequence that he wanted them in. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. And you are wonderfully made. You are beautiful. That's what your heavenly father thinks about you. And he made you that way. And if you're a divergent, different from whatever society standards are, who cares? So what? God thinks you're perfect. He made you the way he wants you to be. You are beautiful in his eyes. And this is where our identity must come from, guys. Because if our identity is found in pursuing some abstract standard of of beauty or identity from this world, we will always be chasing that and never be at peace in our hearts. And something amazing and almost mystical happens when we come to this place where our identity comes from who God says we are rather than what everybody else puts on us. And the magical thing that happens is that you become more beautiful. See, when you land in this place and you understand who you are and whose you are and what your Heavenly Father thinks about you and how beautiful you truly are, you can walk in confidence. You can walk with a little swagger in your step, right? And when you can do that, you become more beautiful. When you can do that, your eyes are no longer focused on everything that you're not. They're not, no longer focused on you, but you're free to look around and see the people around you. And when people feel seen by you, they feel loved by you, and they see beauty in you. See, when our eyes are on other people, when we're kind, when we're loving, when we are present and when we are confident, there is a beauty that, that surpasses physical beauty, or any other standard that we've talked about today. You know, I'll put the kind, self-confident girl up against the insecure, self-absorbed beauty queen any day. The kind, self-confident girl wins the beauty contest every time. But as long as the, as the standard for beauty comes from from the six things that I listed comes from our culture, comes from things that you've either adopted or that have been put on you. You will be neurotic, you'll never be enough, you'll be sad, unlovable, and self-absorbed. And that's not beautiful. And I know what you're thinking, you're saying, yeah, but, but, but Chris, maybe God made me that way. But I've made mistakes, I've messed it up, I've, I've hurt people, I've done things to myself, I've, you know, maybe, maybe you've fallen short in some catastrophic way and you're like, I, I've made a mess of it. I am no longer beautiful. But the good news is, is that God is aware of that. He's aware that every one of us have made a mess. And our beauty, your beauty, is not dependent upon your perfection, but upon God's redemption. Your beauty is not dependent on your perfection, but on God's redemption. He sent his son Jesus 2,000 years ago to die on a cross because the payment for your forgiveness was death. And he paid it in your place so that you could be completely forgiven and given a brand new start. See, God specializes in taking the broken pieces of our lives, the burnt out pieces of our lives, and turning them into something beautiful again. And that is his gift 
to us. That is his gift to you if you will receive it. We've all made mistakes. We've all made mistakes, but God takes our lives and makes them new again. And in response to that, that leads us to to point three of this message, which is this. Live for him. Live for him. Let's go back to verse 11 of Psalm 45. It says, let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him for he is your Lord. See, when you find yourself in him, when your identity is him, you can begin to live for him, to honor him. And when you do that, you stop playing the field. You stop looking everywhere else for something to satisfy. You stop looking at all these other factors for your identity. And you stop playing the field, so to speak, and you follow him. And here's what happens in verse 12. It says this, let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him for he is your Lord. And then in verse 12, it says the city of Tyre will come with a gift. People of wealth will seek your favor. As you walk with that swagger, as you walk with your eyes on others, because you're assured of who you are and that you are a beautiful person, People are drawn to you. People want to be with you. When you're comfortable in your own skin, when you know that you're beautiful, when you walk with that confidence, when you're following God, you become beautiful on a whole other level. And when you do, people are drawn to you. You know, I tell single people sometimes who are pining to find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, usually happens when you stop looking. (laughs) It usually happens when you when you're, you're not paranoid about not having what you don't want, but when you're secure in who you are, there is a degree of attractiveness that comes with that. And that's certainly the case here. And then I love verse 13. It says this, All glorious, all glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. And it just paints a picture of of, of her alone in her room. You know, it's a Friday night and there's nothing going on and nobody to hang out with and she's fine. She's hanging out in her sweatpants and her hair tie, chilling with no makeup on and it's all good because she is great with who she is. She knows she is beautiful. She knows she is loved. She's gloriously radiant. She knows who she is. There is contentment. And at the end of the day, the end of the day, that's what I want for you. See, when you listen to God's voice, when you know what He thinks about you, when you choose to live with him, or live for Him, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. Even, even when the house uh, is, is empty and you're there all alone. Yeah. Even when the house is a mess, even when the kids are misbehaving, even when you're having a bad hair day, even when things aren't going well at work, it doesn't matter. That's not where your identity comes from. Your identity comes from Him. And this is God's desire for you, that you would be made new in Jesus, that your mistakes would be washed away, that He could take all those broken pieces of your life and put them back together into something even more beautiful, He wants to give you this new identity of a princess, a child of the king, beautiful, child of God, confident, loved, and alive. 
But how do you get there? Well, you listen to God. You believe what he says about you. And then you choose to follow him. At the end of the day, you really need to be able to see yourself the way God sees you. And so I want to invite all of us to pray. Men, women, children, everyone. This is a powerful prayer. But just right now where, where you sit, just bow your head and say something along these lines. Jesus, let me see me like you see me. Jesus, let me see me like you see me. Let me see in me what you see in me. I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of coming up empty. I'm tired of being exhausted. Help me to exchange this list of six things that we all kind of look to for our sense of self and beauty. And help me to take on what you say. And it's in your name I pray. You know, there are some, some of us watching today, and uh, you can totally relate to what I, what I was saying about. I feel like I'm, my life is kind of busted up and broken right now. I've got a lot of regret and shame and things that I've done. And you've never experienced God's forgiveness. And you've never experienced God taking all those broken pieces and putting them back together again. And that's what he wants to do for you today. And my invitation to you, God's invitation to you, would be come to him and be forgiven. And that's super simple. Again, just where you're sitting, pray something along these lines. Say, say, God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die in my place. And I need you to come into my life and to forgive me and take all these broken pieces and put them together and make them into something beautiful. Come into my heart. Lead my life. And help me to see me the way you see me. Change my life forever. And it's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, next week we're launching a new sermon series called Gone Fishing. We're going to be looking at the mission that God has given all of us and how we can engage. It's going to be a fantastic series. I want to encourage you to get invitations out on social media and emails and any other way that you invite people to participate in this new sermon series. We'll kick it off next Sunday. We'll see you then. Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message.